Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, I am joined by not one, but two big-time Broadway names who are actually doing a show together here in Central Florida that I was very fortunate enough to see on Friday night. They are the IRL married couple Christine Dwyer and Matt DeAngelis. They are starring in the Victory Productions Rock of Ages that is running at the Garden Theater in Winter Garden, Florida through February 26th. There will also actually be four performances on two days up at the Villages in Central Florida. If you know anything about the Villages, that might be an interesting night to see those shows, so check that out. In the show, Christine is playing Regina and Matt plays Lonnie. They are joined by a veritable who's who of stars of both stage and screen in a lot of different ways. Leading the production as Drew is Omar Cardona, who recently finished fourth on the last season of The Voice. He was a member of Team Legend. He is joined by the erstwhile Ariel from the last national tour of The Little Mermaid, Diana Huey. Broadway regular Justin Matthew Sargent plays Stacey Jacks. He's also directing this production. Rock artist Militia Vox plays Justice. And American Idol runner-up Bo Bice plays Dennis. As I tell Matt and Christine in our conversation, I have been seeing theater here in Central Florida for many, many years. And if you are a regular listener to Broadway Radio, you know that I often complain about the fact that there is so much talent in Central Florida that works full time at a theme park that very rarely do we get really high quality productions of shows. This is obviously an exception. The talent here is undeniable. It was, as I learned in the conversation, Matt's actual first performance was the one I saw. So it's a little loose, a a little messy in terms of kind of getting some of that stuff together. But I will tell you, this is a show that if you are in or around Central Florida, you absolutely must see. Of course, I will have links to get tickets for both the Garden Theater run and the four shows up at the Villages in the show notes if you want to check that out. If you are a theater fan, if you are a rock and roll fan, especially one of a certain age, which is generally give or take five to ten years around my age this is one that you definitely want to see all right with all of that out of the way here's my conversation with christine dwyer and matt deangelis well thank you both for chatting with me today i'm a little bit sorry that it's been a little chillier here in central florida than it has been normally this time of year although looking at the weather in new york this is still better than what it is up there right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played Bay Hill golf course yesterday. Like it's not that bad. Yeah, exactly. Compared to like the <laughs> negative 20 wind chill that's happening up North right now, this is definitely a good time to be down here. Um, well, I saw the show last night, so it's less than like 12 hours or whatever it is since I saw the show. And the fact that you guys are up uh, is, is impressive because that show is just so high energy uh, and so much fun to see. I, I have to imagine, that one doing the show in and of itself but doing the show together has to be a lot of fun i saw after the curtain call you two had a big embrace as you walked off stage which was fun like that was for those of us that i think know you two as a couple like that just seemed like a really sweet moment after a really kind of crazy wacky fun on stage experience yeah last night was a pretty special show uh i was supposed to start the run on the 18th or whenever no 25th when we opened um, but I had an, an opportunity come up in New York where I had to go back. And luckily, m- one of my best friends and a Rock of Ages Broadway veteran, Tony LaPage, was in Florida on vacation. And oh, Justin wow. Sargent called him and said, hey, can you step in for Matt for the week? So last night was actually my first night in the show. Oh, I didn't realize. I knew there was like a first weekend, second weekend thing, but I didn't know all those details. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah the embrace happened because uh, this this process, especially like in summer theater and, and uh, regional theater and stuff, 
usually don't get a ton of time to rehearse, but this one was specifically shortened for us because we had a lot of plans coming in. So I actually didn't even get to rehearse with the cast for two weeks prior. I had kind of just gotten into the show. Last night was the first time that I, I felt like I wasn't looking at my script. And then also Matt had one rehearsal with the entire cast that afternoon and then went on that night. So it's been like kind of wild. And we, you know, it, it's, it's fun because in this show, not that you can break character necessarily, but like you can have moments with your cast members on stage. Um, and and that, that was definitely one of those moments where I was just super proud of him and also like excited to begin this journey the way that it was originally intended with both of us. Being yeah. Special. So, um, yeah, I, and the audience last night was great. Like, I honestly think that you saw our strongest and like most um, locked in show last night that, that we've had so far. So I'm really glad you saw that one. Yeah, the audience was like, let's be honest, they were crazy. Like, I have, oh, crazy. I felt like we were in a production of Rocky Horror. They were yelling back. They were singing along. It was awesome. Yeah, it, like, I've lived down here in Florida now for, I think, eight, nine years. And obviously seen a ton of theater down here and a lot of shows in that same venue. But I don't know that I've ever seen an audience like that. And I think, obviously, a lot of that has to do with the songs that are in this show and the kind of crazy unusual amount of talent that is in this show from all different walks of of theater and music but with a show like this i have to imagine that like that comes with a little bit of extra excitement no matter who the audience is but also from the performers like there's a lot of us grew up with those songs and like that has to have a little bit of extra juice when you get to perform those songs or hear other people who have insane voices perform those songs as well oh. Absolutely. Oh, you, about, could, you couldn't possibly be talking about Omar. Omar Cardona, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a maniac. And I, I was actually lucky enough years and years ago, I was dating a girl who lived down here. So I used to come down here all the time. She would work at Disney. And I met uh, Omar and his brother EJ, both of whom oh, wow. can absolutely shred, probably 15 years ago. And we've stayed in touch. And so when Omar was on The Voice, you know, I was messaging him and stuff. And every morning when I would walk the dog, if who's in the show, by the way, that's our dog. Oh, um, cool. But, uh, I would, I would call him or, you know, voice message him on Instagram or whatever, like after we watched the Tuesday voice or whatever. And I'd be like, dude, you killed it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as I started talking to Justin about coming down here to be in the show, he's like, dude, we got Omar to play Drew. And I was like, and I lost my mind. That's and awesome. it's just so been so, it's been so fun being able to just, you know, reconnect with him and, and to be able to hear him sing these songs. It's absolutely bananas. And also, like, I got to say, we talk about this a lot, like in the cast and Justin and I and Christina spoke about this a lot. Like it's a privilege. This is the most diverse cast of Rock of Ages that has ever existed in the world. Yeah, it's there's there's people from all walks of life and different races, colors, gender identities and whatever in this show. And it's awesome. And we're so lucky to be a part of it and to see a show that, you know, is traditionally been not that across the country to be something really special here in Florida. It's been really, really great. And I want to I want to get back to the cast here in a second. But you mentioned the fact that you have this connection with Omar. I kind of looked at it and just kind of knowing a little bit of your backgrounds, Christine, I thought maybe that you guys getting hooked up with this, although I know everybody in the circles that you work in, you know, kind of knows each other. But I was thinking, well, this might be a Jesus Christ Superstar live connection with Justin. Is that how you guys first started talking about it? Where did the whole inclination to be uh, be a part of this production come from? Um, well, Justin and I have sort of known each other like just by being in concerts in New York and things. Um, and then we had an opportunity to go to Philadelphia. We did this like big two hour long Halloween concert. We got closer then. 
and then both got cast in Jesus Christ Superstar Live, and um, that was the first time that we had really worked together on a musical. And um, he was the understudy for John Legend for for Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar, and because John Legend is who he is, he had a lot of conflicts where he couldn't be in uh, in rehearsals all the time with us. So Justin would step up, and I mean Justin has also just got one of those voices and one of those honestly just he's one of those people that everybody likes like everybody likes in in new york and in the industry and i i'm always excited when i see his name and my name on a list um together just because he's a blast to work with he's super professional he always delivers and, and rip and his, yeah his, his voice is great. incredible and so i got to like i got to see him really shine in in that moment which was really special um and then a, a few months ago uh we did a concert again that um, actually Matt and our other friend Larkin Bogan um, kind of have this production company where they do industrials and we immediately thought of Justin to do it. We reconnected there and he had kind of just started talking about doing Rock of Ages down here. And we were we were just kind of hanging out in, in one of the rehearsals one day and he was like, wait a second, I love working with you guys and you guys just gave me an opportunity. Like, would you have any interest in coming down to Florida? In the winter months to do rock of ages and we immediately said yes because first of all we've both been a huge fan of rock of ages um just when it first came out i saw it all the time same um we have a bunch of friends that have, like cycled in and out of the show and we've never gotten to do it so first of all any opportunity to work together is great but then also to know that justin was going to be down here and that we were going to be with friends and we were going to be with omar and diana Keeley and i have like known each other for a long time so there, it just seemed like the perfect opportunity to finally get to do this show with all of these incredible people who I knew not only are talented, but are also just super fun and, and nice and, um, and, and awesome to work with. So yeah, that's kind of, we've just come in and out of each other's lives. And finally, now we have the opportunity for him, for us to, to help him out when, when he needed it a few months ago, and then he's helping us out and um, we're having a blast doing it. Yeah, it, like like you said, it's it's a a ton of fun to be able to see this show, but also when it's working with people that you know, I'm sure that has to help a lot. And as you've mentioned a couple times, the voices on some of these people are absolutely <laughs> insane. And I, I know, especially you, Matt, like you've done, I guess, uh, technically like American Idiot is a, is a jukebox show, but I always wonder. Some we we see so many of these things with pop songs and rock songs being put into musicals. And to me, the differentiation between whether it's a good show or a great show often has to do with how musical theater voices translate to the songs that are being sung. And sometimes it sounds like legit pop or rock singers, which I think in this case, it really does. In some, it sounds like musical people singing pop or rock songs. And there's a big difference between those two. How do you, as people who having, you know, our musical theater performers, but also can obviously sing this stuff too. Is there like a, a vocal change? Is there like, do you have to do something physically or mentally as you approach those songs to kind of change the way your voice sounds when you're approaching songs like this? Um, It's funny. We teach a lot. We teach a lot of young people and I, we, we always shy away from being voice teachers because Christine and I both, while we have taken lessons and we have technique, we, we sing, I think, both of us in a unique way. And I would ne not necessarily teach my singing technique to somebody <laughs> from a textbook, you know. But for me, my voice has changed a lot as I've gotten older. And I just have, I can growl healthily. 
And I think a lot of people can't. I think the if, if we're going to get technical and geeky about it, like I always try to think about singing above my chords and not on my chords. Because if you listen to even Omar, perfect example, or like let's let's take someone from the from the past, like Steven Tyler or like from Aerosmith or, or Omar. When when their mics are off, they're not singing very loud. They just have those voices that do awesome stuff, and they sound so good amplified. Now, Omar also sounds unbelievable, unamplified in the room. Like, I'm not saying it's one or the other, but I think a lot of people, when they do rock stuff, try to oversing because it's high and it's, you know, and it's, for me, I always try to go on stage and say, do a little less. Because also, like, again, you know, coming from New York, it's like eight shows a week is is not for wimps. Like, it's no joke. And you've got to be prepared to do it eight times, not just once. So I think not that you're putting any less energy or focus or attention on the work or the songs or the acting or anything, but you don't want to sing at a 10 every single show or else you're going to hurt yourself and you won't be able to do the job. So that's what I try to think of. And then also just, you know, pulling, pulling the vibrato out is also helpful. But the other thing I think for rock musicals and jukebox musicals, especially that you were saying, and we talk about this to our students all the time is my favorite thing about musical theater in any of its forms is the whimsy of it, is how silly it is. And even if you're doing Sweeney Todd or Blood Brothers or Parade, it's still silly that you're singing about your feelings. Like, it's silly. And, like, if you don't embrace the fact that there's this other thing that happens when the characters get emotional, so they sing with magical sky music, you know, it's like, it's, I, I feel like you're doing it wrong. So in a show like Rock of Ages, where you're blatantly winking about the show, or like Anne Juliet is kind of, you know, the jukebox of the moment, yeah. right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not like being so serious all the time. Not that there isn't room for that because those shows are great. But like there's a little bit of a, see, we're doing a jukebox song now. And like I think that lets the audience go, oh, we can relax and we can just enjoy this. And it doesn't, not every piece has to be like a deep thinking piece, even though, like I said, there is space for that too. But I try to always think about that too, especially in a role like Lonnie. Yeah, and I, I think um, in terms of like the singing, I, I, I can't speak for Matt, but I think so. Um, we were both kind of influenced by rock and pop music growing up. Like that was my first love um, before I kind of discovered musical theater. And then the, the musical that really got me wanting to do this for a living was Rent. It's also a rock musical that those people were not singing with the same type of technique um as musical theater and not you know but there there are musical theater voices that um that really really stand out but a lot of what you learn in in musical theater class is kind of how to blend with other people how to get like a certain type of musical theater sound and and i think the fun thing about doing a rock musical and what what makes me like doing more pop rock musicals more is that i you can be anybody and sing these songs. It doesn't have to sound exactly like the original pop song. It doesn't have to sound exactly like the original cast. It, what's cool about a show like this is we can bring our own unique voices to it and we don't have to feel like, I guess, it, to what Matt was saying, so like prim and proper about this is the way this song is supposed to be sung and you have to learn how to sing it this way. Like with rock and pop musicals, the best part is hearing different types of voices and different types of people singing songs. So it, I mean, not to hammer it, but like Omar and Constantine Maroulis couldn't be more different, but they both absolutely rip. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, it's, it's, it's cool that musicals like this exist and that it gives space for performers 
like us, performers like Omar, performers like Militia, who is who is in a, a metal band um, who played Justice, like that we can all be in this musical theater piece together and also use our unique rock and pop stylings to bring it to life. Well, and, and that makes me think of uh, of a show, obviously, that you both have been a part of with Waitress. Like, I've seen that show a lot, seen both of you in that show. And the the different Jennas, especially that I've seen, had such very different voices from Jesse to Sarah to you, Christine, to Jennifer Nettles. Like, those voices are all different, but it all felt natural in the way that you approached it. So even though it's not a jukebox musical it is written by a pop star. It's similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think the best part about the best part about Sarah is that she does not, she doesn't want you to sound like her. It's not about that. It's about it's about how how do you how do you feel these words? How do you feel this music? Um, she she was really cool about you know changing changing things up every. We had different time. keys for yeah. different actors who were doing different songs. It's a different approach to it, but I think to your point, like that's what makes people keep coming back when new genres were cast, is because everybody wanted to see how that Jenna was gonna sing She Used to Be Mine. Even someone like Betsy Wolf, who has like a very mm-hmm. traditional musical theater voice, Sarah let her take a big home run swing. I think she's the only Jenna really who like in an old school way chest belted the down in what baking can do. And again, not everybody made that choice. A lot of women mixed belted it. Jesse flipped it. And that's just to be super geeky and like about that one song. But like everybody had their own take on it. And in the, the team and like even like on a day to day basis, the production stage management team who keep, you know, keeps the show in line. were really good about letting us change things up. And as long as you were staying on track with the story and with the, and with the vocals and the music, it was it was like a, a, not only allowed, but it was encouraged. And it was really a really great place to work. It allows for different acting moments and, and different, um, yeah, different, just different ways of telling the same story. And I think that, that that is so unique and interesting about pop and rock musicals um, when you are allowed to bring your own thing to it and your own voice. And like Matt said, day to day, I, I didn't feel as stressed um, playing Jenna as I did playing Elphaba because playing Elphaba, it's like, not that you can't bring uniqueness to it, you can, but it, but in terms of musically, it's like it's pretty set in the way like there are certain riffs that you can do that are not in the music that are allowed. But then others are like absolutely discouraged. And <laughs> it's just a little bit more. I mean, and, and that's fine because that because it doesn't serve this, that story to, to really go completely off the page. But with pop and rock music, it it does, because, you know, when you go see a concert, you don't necessarily need someone or want someone to sound exactly like the record it's live. It's, it's, it's a, it's a different, as Stacey Jack says, it's a, it lives, it breathes, it creates, <laughs> like you get to, you get to kind of have just a, a different perspective day to day, which I always really like because um, I, I like it when things aren't completely set uh, in stone vocally. And if you're feeling something musically, like to be able to have the freedom to do that, I think only makes the storytelling. And better. obviously, Borellis as an actor would do that every night. The show was yeah. like never the same. It, it was, it, it, she had like, let's say she had like version A, version B, version C, but like it was never the same on concurrent performances. She would, she would just do stuff that she was feeling musically. And it was just, it was so cool. I got, a, I got a Sarah Borellis concert eight shows a week for a long time. It was pretty cool. 
Yeah, that's not a bad gig. Nice work if you can get it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. A, a few minutes ago, Matt, you mentioned the fact that like the whole idea of musical theater has to have a little bit of whimsy and silly to it. And when it comes to Lonnie, obviously lots of silliness going on there, lots of opportunities for you to have fun with the script as it's written and also maybe break away from that. I know you had some fun with uh, a little bit of a line flub last night, which yeah, was great. And a guy like, which I was my, it's my favorite line in the show. And my first show, I couldn't believe I screwed it up, but I rolled with it. I did it. It was okay. Yeah. And then like you had a little interaction with somebody in the audience who tried to help out. It was, it was very fun. But when you have chances like that, when you are this narrator who talks directly to the audience. I know a lot of it is scripted to make it sound like it's ad libs. So it's not a bunch of ad libs, but there were some Orlando jokes thrown in there, whether those were written ahead of time or, or, uh, or not. It, it seems like that has an opportunity for somebody, especially as you get more into this run and a little bit more comfortable after you've had more than a single performance, um, that that could be something that gives a different challenge and a different opportunity to have a little bit extra whimsy and fun with a role like that. Yeah. I actually wrote that joke. Uh, that oh, really? was prepared. Yeah. Um, and Justin has been great about allowing us to have those things that are different. Um, but, you know, the, the challenge, I think, and this is my first time really playing. I mean, I've gotten laughs in shows before, but I've never, I've never really played the funny guy. Like Earl in Waitress, for instance, is funny in that first scene. And even in the second scene, he's a little funny. And then he's obviously not funny. But, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, what I think the challenge to good comedy is, and I, I remember years ago, it's timing and editing, I think, right? And obviously the timing part's what gets laughs, but not putting a hat on a hat is also part of it. So even though we have this freedom with this script, especially in the part that I'm playing, I have to be really mindful of making sure I'm playing the laugh. It's like that old thing. It's like, you don't ask for the laugh, you ask for the butter, right? If you ask, if you start asking the audience for a laugh or doing too much, it's gonna instantly become not funny. So that's gonna be a challenge for me because I do have a ton of ideas and things do pop up out of the audience. I mean. Justin changed that line um, that I won't repeat on radio last <laughs> night when he's when he's standing up there after he gets arrested and he says that line. There's like a bunch of different lines that can fit in that space over the time with Broadway. And none of them are appropriate for radio. But he he switched that up and I didn't know he was going to say that. And then I, the cast, the, the cast laughed, the audience laughed. And I just had to stand there and, and I went about 85 different things went through my head. But I was like, nope. The funniest thing that could possibly be said, he already said it. So all I just reiterated to the audience was, he's right. Yeah. And then they laughed again, right? So that wasn't in the script either, but I had to roll with what it is. But I didn't want to make another joke because it cheapens the joke that already got made. Well, and to speak of the editing, and if I'm, I believe I'm thinking of the same spot, not only did you respond with the he's right. You let it breathe. And I think you just sat there for like, I don't know, five, 10 seconds and let the audience react and live in that moment uh, of, of that line, which made it even funnier what he said, and then gave a little bit more oomph when you finally came back with that. He's right line. So I think that was the editing almost that you, you left a few extra periods and ellipses in there before you came back with something else. Also, another thing that I really subscribe to, we try to teach this to our students. And even though Christine and I have both done big roles and we've been in big spots and done cool stuff, I, I, we are both very good, I think, at knowing when it's not our turn. And you don't have to get on stage or in a conversation at the bar after the show. Like, it's important to know when it's somebody else's turn to be in the spotlight, you know? Um, and so with a laugh, especially, like, I didn't want to step on Justin's laugh. He was hilarious. He got a great moment. And I didn't want to take that from him. 
Well, and also sometimes it's the audience's turn. Like yes. sometimes you have to let the audience have a second to either laugh at something that is so obviously funny, like what Justin said, or like allow a moment to breathe so that the audience can catch up and pick up what you just said, and then you can move on. And that's just like a a tool that you learn um, as as you do more shows and um, have different audiences. We've been both of us have toured the country um, and Canada and Japan and all these places like for so much of our career that that there's also like you have to know your audience in different places too you know um, and and here in Orlando like of course we have to have lots of Disney references like I have a I have a um, line right before we're not going to take it that was changed for Orlando to to say discount theme park merchandise and you know like you have to you have to know when it's appropriate to change things up and and have a script that allows for that which this one does um and then again also know when it's when it's not your turn when you need to let them have a laugh when you need to let your other scene partner have a moment all that stuff yeah you mentioned making some changes for the location being here in Orlando. I know Matt, you said you went out and played a little golf over at Bay Hill. I know from social <laughs> media, you guys spent a little bit of time uh, at Disney already. You're going to be here in central Florida for in total uh, for about a month. What else is on the docket? What else are you going to do here in Florida to uh, stay out of thinking about the fact that it's like sub zero in New York right now. <laughs> well, we were down here two week, two years ago and uh Velocicoaster was doing its beta testing, but we didn't get a chance to ride it. So that's number one. That's top. That's high on the list. Uh, we we're big Harry Potter people. So we're going to go to Harry Potter world again, probably universal will be on the list for sure. All around. We went to the uh, star Wars galaxy's yep. edge, for the first but we time. haven't ridden rise of the resistance yet. Yep. And we have a very fancy friend, Nick Walker, Yep. who uh, has a hookup. So he's going to, he's told us all the, the places to go and all the things to scan and all the things. So we're going to, we're going to shout out to Nick Walker from Hamilton. He's going to, he's the nerd of all nerds. He's currently staying at that fancy immersive Star Wars hotel as we speak here in Orlando. So he's got the whole, he knows everything. So we're going to do that. And what's also funny about that is that one of our other friends works at that oh, hotel yeah. as one of the characters that's, that's in yeah. there. So the cool Amazing. thing too is like, we have so many of our New York friends who, um, honestly most recently like during the shutdown have have moved from new york and moved down here and work for disney or work for universal or or you know kind of have performance opportunities here so we we're really lucky that we actually have like coming to orlando doesn't feel like we're going somewhere that's like completely foreign we're gonna have to figure it out oh yeah we have we have such a great connection um of people a collection of people rather here that um that we kind of feel like we're coming home in a way and getting to see all of people that we normally don't get to see. So we have a lot of friends, hangouts um, on the docket. And, and like I said, Tony Lepage, who stepped in for me for the first week, and his wife, who I've known for 20 years, are now staying in Florida for the whole run just in case we need understudy coverage because he, he played every single part in Rock and oh Rages on Broadway. And so now I got my golf buddy and one of my best friends who lives in Canada most of the time down in Florida for a month. So I get to catch up with him. We're very excited to be here. And now that I'm in the run of the show, We'll have a little bit more time to to put our feet up and go to the pool and hit golf balls and we'll have a good time. Awesome. Well, I, I want to wrap up. We we kind of hinted on this cast, which is, I mean, it, like I said, I've been going and seeing theater here in Central Florida for, for nearly a decade. And this like stacked of a cast with names and people that I know 
I mean, honestly, not even a lot of national tours, which and even Christy and I've seen you in national tours here uh, in Orlando. Um, we don't get casts like this, not only with you two, you mentioned uh, Justin Sargent and Diana Huey, you throw in someone like Bo Bice and, and Omar in there, really just kind of a a, a cornucopia of, of riches here that we get an opportunity to see, aside from either something you sing or your partner uh, sings, because that would make it really easy. Is there a moment for either of you where, and I know, Matt, you're still early in your run here since you're a week behind, but is there something that you like? really look forward to hearing somebody do every night, whether it's Omar or Militia or or Diana or somebody else. And you're like, oh, wait, I have to make sure that I'm paying attention when this song comes up. Wait, me and Christina are going to say it on the count of three. Okay. One, two, three. High enough. <laughs> absolutely. It, it's not even close. Omar absolutely undresses. Oh, I mean, Diane, the fact that anybody can get out there and, and hold their own with Omar is insane. Yeah. But Omar undresses that song every night. It is unbelievable. Yeah, I always pay attention. And, I love and, that, and also that song slaps. It's so good. Um, and their voices sound so good they together. Do. And it's just, yeah, it's like, it's a really exciting part of the show to listen to backstage. And, and, and also the coolest thing about the two of them is like, not only is it, is it still exciting every night, but you also know that they're going to nail it every oh, night yeah. and it's still exciting. Like you still want to listen to see like what it's, it's going to be, even though you know, it's going to be awesome every single day that they perform it. So high enough is definitely a highlight for me. And luckily I, I am completely off stage. So I just get to, me too. yeah. Oh, you are. So I just get to, you know, sit and, and listen to these two incredible voices and it, it really is a, a part of the show that I just I look forward to every day and we get to hear it twice today which is awesome that's great well and it's funny because like I know Diana from Little Mermaid and I've seen her do a ton of like skivvy stuff before so like I didn't know that she could do that until last night and oh, I was yeah. like oh oh wait that's yeah, yeah that's she, she shreds man she yeah. shreds oh yeah yeah yeah, she rocks, and I've been looking forward to working with her for so long. Yeah, we've known each other socially, peripherally for a long time. This is our first time actually getting sort of extended play with Diana, which is great. 